Recording from beautiful Fort Worth, Texas, this is the Artist and Octane Podcast, where we discuss art, entrepreneurship, and man's unending love affair with the automobile. I am your host, Robin Moody, bringing you in-depth, or at least entertaining interviews with the most amazing people that you've never met. What is up, Artist and Octane Nation? It is episode two. Oh my goodness. Can we can we be a nation though? Like, I know there was that nation of Chaz or Chad or whatever it was, but I mean, that was cool. It didn't work out well for him. Anyway, so today in studio, we have Eric Pierce from Pro Touring Texas, and he's going to share with you how he went from working the boring day job, the ho-hum, to living his entrepreneurial dream. I mean, this dude gets up in the morning, gets out of bed, and goes to work and builds badass cars. How cool is that? And he's going to share with you how he got there. So sit back, get your seats adjusted, get you some Snapple, maybe some of those pizzeria pretzel combos. Mm, Those are good. All right, guys, let's go. All right, guys, we are here with Eric Pierce. Hello. Hello. ProTouringTexas.com. That's what they call it. It is. How are you today, sir? Doing well, doing well. The the weather is exceptional here right now. It's choice, as you would say. Yeah, it is choice. I'm stealing it from you, but it's choice. Yeah, yeah. I appreciate you inviting me out. Uh, Glad to be here. You've got some pretty amazing art as you drive up to your place, just hanging around. Well, you know, i got to put it somewhere. (laughs) Uh, well, I mean, you're either the next Sanford and Son or, or you are truly an artist. <laughs> or somewhere in between, right. Yeah, it all depends on, uh, on, on frame of, of you know, who, how you're referencing it. <laughs> That's so true. All right, so there's going to be some people out there, without a doubt, who are unfamiliar with who you are and what you do. And so as I ask you this question, as you answer it, I want you to think about if you were explaining it to someone who... Maybe they're following this channel for the art, and they're not so much into the octane. Um, they should be, you know. Shame on them, but it's okay. We'll 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 hold their hand and bring them across the bridge. So, what do you what do you do? What is Pro Touring Texas? What is your profession? Go. To say it to easiest, we modernize classic cars. In the long run, we'll take uh, in old shell of a vehicle per se, because we're not going to use anything else. So we're going to do either upgrade the factory chassis or put a modern updated chassis underneath it. We're going to wire it, heat AC cup holders, phone chargers. uh, And then it leads into what I think I do best, which is the drivetrain. And that's going to be either a modern LS. And now these days getting into the direct injection LT. And um, if you've popped a hood on one of my vehicles, you know the deal. It pops. Uh, that's where I really excel is when you pop the hood and everything is, is hidden and high and tight. And I, if I had to guess, that comes from our roots together, you and I, which is through the, we, uh, you and I met more or less through the show car scene. Mm-hmm. And I think that there's sort of a, you and I have an expectation I think we have an expectation that we, you, know, you can't, I don't think that I would be able to, and I don't think you do 
or you are able, at least without some sort of gritting of teeth, to let something go out the door that isn't show quality under the hood in the way it looks. But then to add to that, what I think that you've really made your name with, and, and you know, excuse me if I'm sort of speaking on your behalf, is that you also have the go. But it's not so much the, the, the go, it's the go out, beat the snot out of it, drive it every day, go to the autocross track or whatever it is that you want to do. You know, these aren't just show pieces. These are, these are practical vehicles that are meant to be used and enjoyed. Uh, that's a form and function uh, aspect of the deal. Um, you know, I think I spent enough time as a teenager wanting to have really nice things and just, uh, you know, acquiring crappy cars uh, for what I could afford and tearing them up, tearing them apart, putting them back together, learning what to do, what not to do. And, you know, that leads you to what me and you have discussed before as a refined palette, right? So you get to a point to where, um, you know, something that is beautiful isn't good enough, you know, and you do it again. So you just keep going. Right, right. It's just like polishing a piece of metal. Yeah. Sometimes you just got to, sometimes you got to get really deep into the metal to find all the, you know, get a, get rid of all the gouges and the ugly spots. Yeah, it's very true. All right. So just to get going, anytime we have somebody on the show, I like to, uh, I like to ask some identity politics questions, but not so much in the way that we think about it today. When you and I were growing up, no one really talked about Democrat and Republican or liberal or whatever, you know, variation thereof. It wasn't important. What people wanted to know was, are you a Ford guy? Are you a Chevy guy? Like, where where do you land on that? You know, as a um, we had uh, Joey here the other day, and he mentioned that you know you always had that like that weird guy that was into Dodges. <laughs> We're not gonna talk about that guy. Yeah, Mopar people are interesting. <laughs> so, so just to get people acquainted with who Eric is, what was your first car? My first car was uh, 1978 C10 truck. Okay. Okay. Two-door long bed. I know. It was the first new truck that my dad had ever bought. Oh, nice. Gave it to me when I was 15, and um, I would still have that truck, but uh, my younger brother destroyed an Eclipse with it, so it's no longer with us. It's odd that, that an Eclipse would destroy a truck of that. Uh, well, the truck, the truck drove home. Mm. Uh with a bent frame, it still drove around for several weeks with a bent frame. And um, at that time, man, I, I may have been a senior in high school or fresh out of high school. I can't remember exactly the situation, but still pretty young and uh, didn't have it in me to see that I could save that cab and rebuild that truck and keep those things at that time in my life, you know. Sure. I didn't see the value in that. And looking back, I just you know, should have. But Well, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty, right? So, favorite car that you've owned thus far in your life, which one do you like the best? Favorite car. And why? Well, there's, there's two different ways. Um, my favorite car to look at, that's just a... Uh, just a beautiful piece of machinery. Mm. 1961 Bubble Top Impala. Agreed. Just. I feel that. It's just the beautiful lines. They're just, I don't even know what it is about. Just the styling in the 60s was on point. 
Um, that's my favorite one to look at. Uh, my favorite one to say daily drive. Mm. Um, square body truck, you know, like the sorority girl I just did. That that would be all time favorite to daily drive. After having done all the things that we do, you know, um, most fantastic driver. I would say, when you want to do you spirited driving, like what what's the one that you grab the keys and you're planning to just rip it. Definitely Big Booty Judy. That's a 71 Chevelle. Right on. 100%. Right on. So, Very cool. Well, I just think it's good. And uh, so, I mean, I guess it's not too tough to tell that uh, you were raised a Chevy guy. A little bit. A little yeah. bit. So, we always had Chevy trucks. Um, my, my grandfather had a commercial glass business a long time ago. Um, it's still around, but he's since retired. Uh, and they always had Chevy trucks. It was like square body truck, C of square body trucks everywhere. Uh, <laughs> granny, four speed, lows, the whole nines, you know. Mm. So got all the all the flavors of the, the Chevys early on. And then my mom had a Z24 Cavalier back in the day, like wow. the squared off ones. How's that? Yeah. Um, let's see. And then she got rid of that, and she got a Honda Accord wagon. Those, those oh, that's dope. Yeah, it was badass. Well, then, man, when I was going into high school, she toyed with giving me that car, and I had aspirations of all the speakers in oh, that yeah. thing. I was, like, going to try to blow the glass out. But I told her that mistakenly, and then she didn't give me the car. So, <laughs> Yeah, shout out to uh, Daniel Brummett had a, uh, a Honda Accord wagon on hydraulics back in the day, one of his many builds, and that thing was so good. It was so good. Yeah. Like two pump four dump on uh, accumulators. Oh, it was sick. Yeah, yeah. Actually, I talked to my mom about that car not too long ago, and um, she brought up a story about like the transmission going bad or something. And I, I didn't really remember the car actually having an issue, but you know, I was a kid and you know, I was back and forth between parents and that kind of stuff. But there was one instance that I brought up to her, and I was like, well, you know, me and um, Brian took that down to a park when it was snowing and, like, did reverse donuts and shit in it. Totally outed my stepdad, you know. And, yeah, whatever. It was a good time. <laughs> Very good. All right, man. How long have you been uh, in the modernizing classics business? So I started kind of piddling with it as an idea – uh, just, you know, literally as a dream, uh, about 2008, um, when I kind of started getting serious with my ideas and how I wanted to, to take my future down the road. And, um, it really took me a long time, you know, me and my wife, um, had corporate jobs doing the thing, uh, trying to live the hobby. And, and just like most people, we would come home from our corporate jobs. We, we had, motorcycles I was always building something in the driveway truck car whatever it may be um, and you just you work your ass off to you know have nice things and you just build that over time so it started so so how long would you so okay I'll ask it this way how long have you been doing it full-time full-time um, when did I quit my job I guess it's been almost six years I think okay um, so before I, I was um, working the corporate life, had 401k, steady pay, you know, everything was kind of set in stone. Uh, but I knew I wanted something more, and I've always um, just kind of enjoyed 
uh, the modern technology in a classic car has just been my flavor. It's what I like. Um, and I guess it goes back to the LS. When the LS hit the streets, like I wasn't the first one to do an LS swap. I, I wasn't the first one to put a big turbo on or anything like that. But working a corporate job, it, it you know, honestly gave me the ability to have multiple screens open. And one of them was the forums back in the day when everybody was still on them. I had a screen open on forums and I'm looking at what people are fucking up. I'm looking at what people are getting away with. I'm looking at what's working really well. And I spent way too many years just reading information, just soaking up information and kind of, you know, believing half of what you read and then going home and, you know, trying it on my own. And with the LS thing, um, I had the ability to get a couple of core motors and took them to the house and tore them apart and mixed up the parts and just kind of threw it on a bench and then put them back together, you know, and that's really what it comes down to it. Uh, and I think that began when I was a kid, really, you know, taking things apart, put it back together, see how it works. And I've always loved the ability to understand what it is that makes uh, work, what it is that, that makes um, power, mm. you know. Like the function, you know, how, how is it that uh, a crankshaft turns, you know, a torque converter or a flywheel to put power to the rear end? You know, I've always been into that jazz. As I've recently, this, this, ter- this word, it's very simple, but it, it seems to be keep com- coming up for me is uh, we've seemed to have a lot of interest in the verb, the action, you know, the action. it's not the <clears throat> static. The static, there's not really a lot of. I mean, the static can be cool, mm-hmm. but you know, you were interested in the verb. Mm-hmm. You were interested in, in not so much the pieces. It's a suck, bang, blow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So no, that's very cool. Very cool. Okay. So I want to talk about Big Booty Judy mm. because I feel like that's a cornerstone. It's, it's kind of like if you looked at a timeline of Pro Touring Texas, at least from my perspective, if you look at it from the beginning, pre-quitting the, the day job, to today, that car has not only been with you, it's been, it's been a showpiece, it's been advertising, it's been proof of concept, um, you know, the backstory behind it, how long you've been... Just, I mean, I'm, I'm not going to sugarcoat it, abusing it. Mm, yeah. And it just keeps on going. I mean, you just She's go get in it and you turn the key and the AC works and you could drive it. I mean, you go drive it across the country right now. I have no doubt. Yeah. Yeah. She's ready to roll. And, and what I like to call her now is my most reliable piece of shit, you know, because it's, <laughs> it, it's been on the road. Uh, I mean, since 2013 is when it hit the road. We painted it in 2014 and it's, it's done, you know, autocross, big track, drag racing, half-mile shootouts. It's been across the country a couple of times. Uh, you know, and it's, it's got almost 50,000 miles on it. it. The beautiful paint that once was is, is definitely tore up. Uh, but, again, that's that refined palette thing to where, you know, a lot of people see it um, and give props to the car and how badass it is. And, you know, uh, me being its owner, and I see it all the time. When I walk up to it, I stare at its flaws instead of its capabilities, you know. And that's... That's a struggle, but um, as far as how long have I had that bad girl? I traded a motorcycle 
<clears throat> okay, so there's a bigger story. Let me back up even further, right? Way back. <clears throat> there's a guy named Scott Ivy, right? Back in the day. Me and him talked back and forth. I was building a uh, body dropped on 24's K5 Blazer. Okay. Right? It was the first kind of cammed up LS that I did. That was, I think, late 08, 2009, that kind of deal. And so I traded my Blazer. It had been body worked. It was LS. It was body dropped. It was all those things in primer. Traded it to Scott Ivy uh, for a bag truck. It was sketchily bag truck. Um, an 08 Crossbones Harley and some cash, right? I flipped the truck at Good Guys. I sat on the Harley for a minute because I thought I wanted to keep it, but uh, it had a questionable title situation. Um, and I ended up trading the Harley with no title to a guy from Oklahoma for a Shell 1971 Chevelle that had been sitting in a barn for years. Uh, when we dug out the parts, it was wrapped in newspaper from 1981, oddly enough, the year I was born. Hmm. So they were Canada-made GM parts wrapped in 90, 1981 newspaper, which was super cool. Um, you know, and it was a rust bucket that had just been sitting around. So anyways, the car got blown apart. Frame off. Uh, the first iteration of it is a Gen 4 6.0 LS3 heads. T56 out of a 99 Trans Am, Jason over at Texas Drivetrain went through for me. Um, and we literally were working our asses off to put this car together. We wanted to do Power Tour 2013. That was the first year we went, right? And um, it was like two or three weeks out from that. The car ran. The wiring wasn't complete. It didn't have brake lights, no carpet, no seats, no dash. Literally just had an oil pressure gauge and a water temp hanging in the dash, right? Nothing. And, man, I was coming home from my day job. I'd get home about 5.30. I'd stay up till 2. And when we left, we had AC installed, a complete dash, full set of autometers, um, carpet, seats, tinted windows. Like, we were ready to kick some ass. And it was legit. It was legit. And that was the year we went from the DFW area all the way to um, – I think it was Charlotte, North Carolina, all the way. Back roads, kicking ass, doing burnouts, and the car never missed a beat. Never missed a beat. Like, And that was just kind of where it started, where it started, where it all started. So then what happened? Uh, well, 2014 painted the car, and now it's bright orange. It is the color as you see today. Um Painted the car in 14, did Power Tour again in 15, met a bunch of cool people, um, you know, along the way, just developing those relationships, and 15 was when I was really pushing to quit the corporate game, you know, and get out. So I was developing those relationships with people in the industry. We ended up doing um, some LS9 CNC port heads, a Magnuson supercharger, um, an actual spec cam for the car and the blower and six speed and all that good stuff. Um, we kind of did something special with it. So the valve train didn't get beat up, but it still makes killer power. Um, you know, it's over 650 at the tires, the way it's set up right now. So we put all that together and keep rolling in. We really start pushing 
Pro Training Texas, right? Yeah, I remember. We're giving away stickers. We even made shirts and gave them away on Power Tour. Literally, like somebody would take a picture, tag us, you know, on Power Tour, and we'd give them a shirt. Get, just give them a shirt, you know? How cool is that? Um, and we just wanted to get the name out there, you know, um, to get in front of people and show them what we're doing and how we're doing it and, and try to move it forward. And it's just kind of grown. It's been an exceptional growth, you know, over the last couple of years. And I'll, I give some of that to the economy. But, um, you know, I, I tried to get away from the corporate gig. And, and honestly, there's a whole other side of that story. I was sitting at work. You know, you're in a cubicle doing the thing, corporate job, you know, like most people. And many, many years ago, my dad had told me about this guy. And, of course, I didn't listen. I was a teenager doing my own thing, right, chasing girls and having fun and all that jazz. So I start listening to a podcast, not unlike this one. The guy's name is Dave Ramsey, right? So that dude changed my life, 100%. And I had him in my ear every day listening to all three hours of his podcast and, and what he's got to say. And pretty much in short, his message is get out of debt. Don't do the same thing everyone else is doing. You know, get rid of car payments. You know, the only good debt to have is, is a mortgage. And honestly, me and my wife, we had car payments and credit cards and new furniture and, uh, you know, a house full of crap, just like everyone. We were being normal. Yeah. It was just being normal, doing the thing. And, uh, you know, she wasn't really on board, you know. Talk about getting in the car, going to dinner with your wife and putting Dave Ramsey on the radio. Do you th what do you think your wife would say to you? Mm. <laughs> I don't know. Don't. That's that's a listen. Oh, <laughs> yeah. She might. She might be like, mm, yeah. Um, <laughs> My wife's way more pragmatic than I am. Yeah. So, so anyways, like where I am today, and you know, being able to get where I am all started because that guy gives good advice. He gives good advice. So, if you had to apply, maybe like a percentage or like a scale of one to ten, like how big of a role did going off of that advice and following that advice play into the success? I'm going to call it a success if that's okay. The success that you have today. Um, I think it's at least half, you know, wow. it's at least half. And I think the other half of that, um, you know, I probably have to give that to my dad and my grandfather, you know, you know, when I, I was a young man, I didn't listen to what they had to say. You know, I was none of us do normal and kind of doing the deal. But now looking back, you know, waking up in those mornings and like waiting to the last minute until you hear your dad walking down the hall to get up for school. And, you know, you hear him coming. And, you know, if he caught you in bed, like his the first thing out of his mouth was off your ass, on your feet, wife and kids got to eat. And that sticks. That sticks. You know, years later at the time, you're like, oh, he's an asshole. You know, but that sticks with me now, and it's, um, you know, it's one of those things. Alarm goes off at 5 and get up, kick ass, do the deal. Right on. Yeah. So that's that's something, you know, I, a lot of people don't understand. I think there's one other thing that I, at least from outwardly, that I've seen you do that I think made a huge – it, it followed along with the Dave Ramsey motto, if you will, um, or his ethos, is that – you were willing to put off 
the lifestyle, the, the ideal lifestyle for a period of time so you could stay debt free and grow your business and get it. Would you agree with that? I mean, that, that's what I saw you do that. I was like, you know, I mean, I, I, I sat back and looked at you, you know, and I'm over here with, you know, the, the typical two kids and wife and mortgage and all that stuff. And, and Mm -hmm. you guys, you know, for reasons that we don't have to discuss, weren't, um, straddled with those, uh, with those types of, um, you know, uh, responsibilities. And so you were able to make some changes and some, some, uh, hmm, losing the word here, but you know, so let me go ahead. So as far as the Dave Ramsey deal, like he, what he sells is his thing called, uh, live like no one else so that you can later live like no one else. And really what that means is sacrifice. What are you willing to give up to get what you want? Mm. You know, that's, that's really the big thing. And I think, you know, uh, a few people know that are close to us, but when, when I set down this journey, um, doing the corporate thing, I was still there and, and I was working towards getting debt free and, um, you know, it, it took over two years to get there. But during that process, you know, we, we lived at our house, my, you know, day job wasn't very close. And then I would also, uh, drive to where we had customer cars. And so I maybe going a little too quick. So we had moved all the stuff from our house cause I was doing stuff under a carport at our house and that kind of had too many cars there at one point and my grandfather had a barn he wasn't using. So we eventually moved the stuff there. Right. Okay. So here I'm at home with the wife. I'm driving a solid 45 minutes to the day job and then about 45 minutes to where a customer's car were and then almost an hour back to the house. So it was almost 130 miles a day is what it was. And I did that for, for a solid two years trying to get it done. And I was driving uh, a wrecked 04 Accord, no, V6 leather AC car, don't get me wrong, but it was smashed. Like, my wife couldn't stand that car. She didn't even want me to park it in front of the house. And uh, Yeah, sure, it's embarrassing, but you know what? you got to drive junk if you want something fancy, you know? you got to be able to make that sacrifice. And I did that for the longest time, and then when I was getting close, paying off those debts, and... I knew it was time to rock and roll and made the jump, quit the job. Best thing I've ever done in my life was to do that. But I knew going into it that I had to be in a position to where if I didn't have work, you know, if I wasn't making money, I could turn the lights off and it was no big deal. And the only way to get there was zero car payments, no credit cards, like the only thing you've got is your regular bills, you know, and the mortgage. So we get close to me quitting the day job and it's ready for like the next step. And I'm like, what are we going to do? So me and Cynthia decided to give up our four bedroom house, you know, that we wanted to fill with kids, which we didn't have an opportunity to do. Uh, we give up the house we moved to uh, a new location where we're going to put the shop where it is today. And we essentially moved into a trailer house, got rid of the big fancy house. And we said, all right, we're going to do this for a year. And that's what we're going to do. We're going to just invest 
every single dime that we've got into the company, buy equipment, um, you know, find more talent, you know, try to really just do the best we can with what we've got and use everything we've got to do it. And we ended up, uh, we honestly live there for almost two and a half years, really. We didn't plan on it taking that long, and uh, we've been in that location for almost four years now, and we, we just bought a house with a little bit of land. Mm-hmm. So um, you really had to give up everything in the beginning and just just hustle, hustle on the daily to get back into a house and get comfortable and, and situated. And, you know, do I really think we're comfortable right now? I don't know everyone's level of comfort is different, right? It's a moving target. Yeah, it's like, you ask that question, like, is there, what's your comfort level? Is it an amount of dollars in the bank? Is it amount of uh, things that you own? You know, what is it? That cars in the driveway. Cars in the driveway. <laughs> Do you have enough driveway to fit your cars? Yes. You know, um, yeah. Yeah, so that's good. That's good. So that's kind of quick backstory on, on how we got here is, you know, you got to give it up. You got to give it all up, you know. But through all that, I kept Big Booty Judy. And yeah. She's still around. Yep. She's still around, and we've got we've got a few more. Yeah, you do. Yeah. So if you had to pick a favorite out of a few more, at least today, I know that 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 more is uh, is um, you know ever changing. Besides Big Booty Judy. Yeah. But uh, I think the when last time that we. We talked about having this podcast. I think that the account was a little bit different than it is today, even. So, so what, which ones, uh, how about, so first of all, before we go any further, I know we're, you know, 20 some odd minutes into this. If you guys aren't, um, if you guys aren't, uh, listening or following on with, uh, Pro Train Texas on Instagram, you got to do it the the content there is um, is epic and uh, a lot of the cars that you're going to hear about today are regularly um seen there the the stuff that Eric builds and the way that he's willing to drive it is is admirable and that's I really don't even think that admirable is the the best way to put it um so definitely check them out so that being said so now that everybody's adding you on Instagram that doesn't already have you what what do you think, based on the feedback that you've gotten from people that have followed you, what do you think people are going to like freak out about the most that they're going to see if they go and look at your profile right now? As far as vehicles? Mm-hmm. Um, man, Sorority Girl's the hot ticket on there right now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, C10s are hot right now, and it's, it's a 77. It's gold trim. Um, I had originally bought that truck to like for a place of memory, you know, and it, I don't know, maybe I have way too much attachment to cars. Maybe that's my thing. So <laughs> the, the first truck <laughs> my dad bought new, uh, was a blue with a white top, uh, 78. It was a custom deluxe. So we bought that truck. It's, um, blue, white, blue combo, 77 yellow trim. And it was a small block had, you know, factory AC and it was bagged and it was legit. Uh, but only had it for like three weeks and, um, me and my wife went to fuzzy tacos, grabbed some dinner and we're inside ordering food and a uh, guy runs inside. He's like, Hey man, this fucking truck's on fire. So we run outside and it was something electrical. Um, never could find it. Like it's smoked. 
the wiring, melted the shit under the dash, uh, melted some of the air ride stuff. So it was like stuck mm. on the ground. Um, and even when the tow truck driver came with a, with a flatbed, he was like, man, I don't think I can get this up. Cause it was just sitting on the bumper. And I was like, fuck it, drag it. <laughs> it is what it is at this point. Um, so hauled it back, um, left it next to the shop for a couple of weeks and was pretty devastated over it because I really just wanted to cruise it and not touch it and just enjoy it because I'd bought it to kind of replace a memory of my childhood. And, you know, during that process, I had the new direct-injected 6.2 uh, 10-speed combo that came out in, like, late 18 from GM. I'd already done uh, some CNC Texas Speed Heads, their VVT2 cam, and really kind of upgraded it to like a spec where it made 601 horse on the motor, you know, just NA. And my wife, love her. Uh, we're kind of talking about it, and, you know, she knows I'm just sad about it and talking about it. And I kind of dropped the idea of why don't we build this thing, throw the 10-speed in it. You know, it might be the, the first, you know, 10-speed swap vehicle type deal. And, you know, I love her because she immediately, she's like, do it. You're not going to be happy unless you don't. So that led down the road of building sorority girls. So um, the firewall got burnt. So uh, me and the team went down the road of gutting the truck and did a custom firewall on it. We hit up uh, Josh at HeartFab for his set of ascender fenders. Those things are gangster. If yeah, you don't have are. a set, get them. They're super sick. Um Re rewired the truck completely, converted it to coilovers, put some big billet specialties, just a beautiful set of billet specialties. Um, they're the razors in an antique magnesium color is what they call it because everyone's going to ask. So the rear is a 19 by 12. The front is a 19 by 10 with a set of Nitto tires on it. And we stuffed vintage air underneath it and then went about doing what we do at my shop. We hid every single hose we hid every single wire. Um, we essentially hid everything to where when you pop the hood, there's nothing, literally nothing on the firewall whatsoever. There's an engine with a beautiful set of ultimate headers coated in white, just super clean under the hood. And that's, like I said, that's I feel like that's where I, I do my best work is when you pop the hood and you see the drivetrain, you have performance, you have just clean lines. Everything's nice and hidden and, and put away as it should be. Very nice. And what size are those rear tires? Uh, 345, 30, 19s. It is the same size as Dodge Viper. That's pretty big. Yeah, you put it on the back of a C10, and you don't really notice until you get behind it, and then you're like, ooh, that's girthy. Yeah, yeah, it's thick. Yeah. Yeah, I like that flavor. And then we've got a few customer cars popping. Um, there's a 72 Suburban um, that we're actually putting um, 68 GMC front end on, and it is on uh, Roadster Shop Revo chassis, air ride setup on this one. Um, it's going to be uh, a cement gray with some highlights. It should be pretty cool. It's coming together pretty quick. That's a uh, boosted LS 480 combo. Uh, let's see. What else we got popping? 69 Camaro, the LT5 10-speed. That one's on uh, Fast Track Roadster Shop chassis. 66 Chevelle is on spec Roadster Shop chassis. And then 64 Malibu is LT4 8-speed, you know, vintage air, 
rewire, although Ride Tech Coilover goodness. And that particular one is a chassis that we do in-house. It's actually a factory chassis. Uh, we take it, strip it, do a, a frame brace kit on it, whether it may be one of the three or four companies that offer it. Um, and we'll get some torsional rigidity in there. Uh, we'll beef up the front end, convert it for coilovers, do a mini tub section in the rear, and then add bracing uh, in all the pickup points for the suspension that are typically weak in all those factory chassis. And blast it, epoxy coat it, stick it back underneath the car. They call that a Survivor Series in most places. Okay. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, that's an OG 53,000-mile car. Grandma Fresh. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, that one's really cool. And it's it's that mist green color, too. You don't see that a lot. Very nice. Yeah. That's what we got popping as far as customer stuff. And then, yeah. Cool. Yeah, I've got a, a fleet of others kind of similar to yours. You going to tell anybody more about this Hilux you've got hiding in the garage? You don't ever drive it. No. Well, there's reasons. Yeah. I don't have any good ones, but there's reasons. Uh, I mean, you know, there's always a motor waiting for that thing. Somewhere. Yeah, someday we'll put we'll put a new motor in it. Um, I'm still still excited about putting a diesel in it. Um, I've got a guy down the street that's apparently pretty uh, pretty savvy on Mercedes diesel swaps, little Mercedes turbo diesels. That's cool. And uh, those are, you know, it's a it's a diesel. I mean, you can you can hop it up as much as you want. I mean, I haven't had great luck with anything hopped up, so I probably won't go bananas with it. But I mean, I think. 200 horsepower on that thing would be perfect it would be just fine so I mean, before you got to the diesel what were you thinking about before oh no there was there was the there was a plan there was a plan once upon a time but the problem is that i don't have i don't i like you don't go halfway on anything i go full ridiculous and i was like oh i'll do an ls swap and then that turned into me having to have a roots blower because that was necessary. Mm, I, needed, I needed the blower to come out the hood. And then, so the manifold for that's like 1500 bucks. Just the manifold to attach the blower to the motor. Um, and then, you know, that turns into, well, that's going to be a lot of power. Even if I, like, underdrive the blower, it's still going to be, like, crazy. And I don't think that frame is going to take it. So that means we have to replace the whole frame. Okay, so now basically what I end up with is a whole new chassis, motor, drivetrain, everything with the shell of my truck sort of stuck on top of it. It's it's not even it's not even the same thing anymore. It's like this whole new ridiculous thing. I had a I had a I had a theme for it. I had a name. I was gonna just, you know sponsor you know shoot out for sponsors and stuff like that. I was gonna call it Smoke Bomb. You can kind of figure out what that was about. <laughs> um, yeah, narrow the rear end. Like, I was thinking about doing, like, 17 by 11s, like the old school. What had 17 11s back in the day? Wasn't there something that had them factory? Or maybe that was, like, the biggest you could get from, like, any of the billet companies. I think that's what it was. Like You would know teams. better than me. I mean, yeah. working at American Racing and all yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, anyway, yeah, I was just going to, like, I like the way that the wheels look. But I, w I didn't want to go like stupid big, but I wanted to go real wide on the back and yeah. I mean, I was gonna have to do disc. I mean, it's got it's got drum brakes in the front, so that ain't gonna work. Mm, so, sketchy. So disc brakes and then you know a new chassis means new front control for lower control arms and maybe a spindle and 
I mean, it's just, it would be an entirely new vehicle with my sheet metal hung on top of it. So what you're saying is that uh, you should have done it right the first time? Um, is that is that the easy way to say it? I don't know. I mean, I think my philosophy of use when I built it the first time, that was, I met my philosophy of use. The philosophy of use was built to pull on and off a trailer. Yeah. And it did that just fine. Then I got tired of trailing it because I was literally, I owned a truck. I had a truck at my house specifically just to pull a trailer that I owned just to take the truck to five car shows a year. I think I remember that. You put matching wheels on both trucks. Yes. Fancy. Ish. Yeah. Ish. So I went forward with getting the truck to where it would drive down the road on its own. Uh, that included changing the gears out from the 410s to 370s. Um, that was a lot of uh, scouring salvage yards. For So in the beginning, did you ever did you ever think about putting big motor or swap or anything no. in it? No, it ran. I was happy. As a matter of fact, I mean, it it hasn't run truly right since I got it back from Canada. That hmm. still does the weird overheating thing at the cat. It's mad at you. You sent it to Canada. Yeah, yeah, it's mad. Um, so that's the biggest motivation for me to do anything to the drivetrain is I just want to be able to drive it and enjoy it. I also would like air conditioning because, you know, I I mean, there's only one car show I go to a year right now, and that's because it's in the spring before it gets dumb. Um, if I had AC, I might drive it more. Yeah, well. I mean, it's Texas. Yeah, it's bad. And Today I'm old. humid, it's hot. And I'm old. I ain't got time for sweating, man. I've yeah, done my too. fair share of all that. I mean, I did that when I was a kid. My first truck didn't even have AC. So, anyway. So, yeah, I mean, so basically I have realigned my expectations of the vehicle, and once I realigned them, I made the changes necessary. So that's when I had Keith build the uppers. I want to say he fixed one of the lowers or something like that. Um, those were all homemade. I made in my shop, got it on and off the trailer. Just fine. You know, mm -hmm. I could cruise it, but anything beyond cruising it, it was sketchy. Like cruising through a parking lot. I'd cruise down, you know, I could drive it around at car shows, you know, like I could drive it through town at a car show, but gotcha. like, but like anything above 50, you know, a, there's some pucker factor mm -hmm. there. So, you know, it, it basically is just as my wants from it change that's when I kind of go, okay, well I'm redoing it, but I don't, I don't regret what I've done. Cause what I've done is what's gotten me here. So what, what year was it when you started that build? 2009. So how do you think that the automotive, I don't know, landscape. Yeah. Let's call it automotive landscape has changed from 2009 to now. Mm. As far as like your what you're talking like mini trucks, well, you want to do big drivetrain and stuff like that. I like I did once, so I think from 2009 to now, in the last 10 years, I think I think everyone's gone from building cars that could be show cars and this and that to it's changed. Everyone wants to build a show car you can drive. Like I feel that way. Maybe that's just the circles I run in. I don't know. Um, but I feel like everyone that, that I talk to, they literally, whether it's it's a high-end car or a very budget build, everyone wants to build something that's reliable, drivable, um, sustainable, you know? I mean, you can't 
you can't make a thousand horsepower and expect it not to break something. Right. You know, so everyone's looking for that happy medium to be able to drive the shit out of it and still have that side piece. And that's, that's kind of where I'm at. Makes sense. It's just a matter of, I mean, I, I had long since idealized the diesel just because the the, the look of the truck it, mm-hmm. it 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 needs that rattly diesel. If it sounds it. like a rattly diesel, it just adds to the flavor. It does. It does as if the flavor couldn't be added to anymore. Yeah. Um, you know, having the little uh you know, the wastegate popping out of the hood with the hater pipe on it, the <laughs> hater flap. I just I just think that would be hilarious. Um, so, you know, Toyota diesels are an option, but there's not much out there. Turbos are hard. The turbo models are difficult to find. They're expensive. Um, it it's it would complicate things significantly. Not a lot of people have been down that road, but a lot of people have been down the, you know, the 84 turbo diesel Benz road. That's a common swap. So my thought was, you know, put a little turbo in it and then I'd have enough torque. A diesel's gonna have more than enough torque to spin an air conditioning compressor. Yeah. And still give me enough power to get down the road. So yeah. You know. I It'd mean probably be a neat little piece. I mean here's I, I say this all the time. Sometimes it's just important to have a plan. You don't necessarily have to execute on your plan, but you gotta have a plan in place. Every day you gotta have a plan. What's my plan going to be? What's my plan on this? What's my plan on that? Okay. So so that way when you have time or the money or both to get going on the plan, then you know which direction to go. You're not going to sit there and make I, – I like to plan ahead, especially on car stuff. Like I'll sit there and research stuff for 19 months before I pull the trigger on something, which is probably how I talk myself out of most of it. But I think that that's good. I think that's a positive because it keeps me out of trouble. See, I'm the opposite. As soon as like I'm – I understand the plan and where I'm going. I'm balls deep. Like I'm going and I'm just doing it. And it, it was kind of like the sorority girl build. Like I knew as soon as I was headed down that road, we mm-hmm. were going all the way. Right. Yeah. It's picking the road for me. Yeah. And, and I mean, talking to the guy that does the diesel swaps, I just started talking money and power and reliability. And all of a sudden I'm like, okay, this is, I mean, unlike, and I'm not, this is saying nothing bad against anybody out there that's built a mini truck because I look up to everybody that has built some really dope mini trucks. Man, I built my truck on a budget and I ain't about to start doing it any other way. You know, I'm not about to spend whatever, you know, you know, 20 grand on a motor swap or whatever. So the gentleman that I spoke to, his budget was agreeable to me. And I was like, okay, this is something that I can achieve and get the results that I want with the vehicle allegedly <laughs> and and it'll be a happy medium I get the diesel I get reliability I get torque all this stuff and and it's not going to be allegedly a million dollars allegedly allegedly listen yeah. I'm, I'm fine I, I I'm realistic yeah but I still again you have to have a plan I know how much I know how much it's going to cost if I went with an LS. Whether I went with a basic LS, which even that's basic for me, it's not like stock. I'm not putting a stock motor in my truck. To the full ridiculous thing that I was planning on doing which was <coughs> way out there, you know. Well, and I mean, 
That was thirty five grand on paper. Yeah. And that's the thing about LS, like you pick a budget and triple it. Yeah. That's pretty much how it goes. Right. Because yeah. it's it's that snowball, you're like, Well, while I'm there. Mm. Oh god. You know, well, while I'm there. If anybody listen, everybody who's built a car that's listening to this right now, they just groaned because we've all gotten bitten with the while I'm here's. I don't know if it's getting bitten as much as you know. I try to get people to think about that whole process. When I start a conversation with a new potential client, that customer is immediately going to hear from me, well, what about this? Well, what about this? What about this? To get them thinking, because if you just do, if you just do an LS swap, you're doing yourself a disservice by doing, not doing a few things at the same time, because then you're doing double the work. Right. If you don't do it at the same time. <clears throat> so, you know, I would say that I scare off a few clients by having that honest conversation, but I feel like that's a conversation that you have to have, you know, because you want to go into it knowing full well that if you don't do this at the same time, it's going to be the same thing over again. Like either you're going to do it again or you're going to pay someone to do it again to whether it's just refitting or changing a few things or whatever, but you know, you have to consider the complete package. You know, you can't just go from wheels to a complete car. You've got to go wheels, chassis, wiring, plumbing, you know, the body, the interior, everything, you know, you've got to think of it as a package and nine times out of 10 LS swap turns into AC camshaft, you know, a converter or six speed, Upgrading the rear end, big brakes, the whole nine. Yep. So just that's what mine did. You know, that's consider. how that, that's how mine did. Yeah, and and I just I was excited about it, and there was part of me that was all in about it. You know, I mean, I was willing to, you know, make the sacrifices that we had talked about to get the thing that I wanted. But then I said, okay, I can spend thirty which was just paper money. It was just on paper. I know, I know that it would have gone way over that. I could have gone up to 30 in my head and built this badass truck that has two seats that I'm not going to drive everywhere. Or I could just rock it out like it is, and I could put 30 into a cool daily. You know, I could get a, you know, I could get a, Lexus GSF or whatever, you know, something that, that I get to enjoy every day that checks all those boxes and just have a cool mini truck that I get to drive on occasion. It's just, it was just return on the investment when it got to that kind of money. I just, I don't ball like that, at least not at the moment. You know, that's like, to me, that's like lottery money. You know, if I get lottery money, okay, we can talk about it. But for now, truck's cool as it is. It'll get out and drive. I can go start it up right now. Um, you know, it has its issues, but it's old. So, where, where, what's the future hold for Pro Touring Texas? So, the future of Pro Touring Texas, um, you know, I try not to put a lot out there in front of people that were making moves, but... Um, there's lots of things happening in the background. You know, we're we're adding to and expanding and uh, just trying to take it to the next level. You know, um, I 
just want to give a, a really good product to the good people that trust us to work on their vehicles. And uh, we're just continually working on putting all the things in place to have everything to do it where it just uh, people just come in. Uh, we figure out where we want to go. They drop off the keys and they pick up the car and it's, it's just finished and ready to roll. And I understand that, I mean, you're not doing all this by yourself, right? No, I've got a super talented team of guys that help us roll through this deal. You know, no one can do this thing alone. I mean, Jesus, there's literally so much to do when it comes to complete builds. And, you know, if it wasn't for um, some of the talented individuals that, that have helped me progress, like there's there's no way I could do this, you know. It's literally about a team. It's it's not me. And, it, and honestly, I've had some people reach out to me through social media and, and those things, and they, they want to talk to me and, and know specific things about me. And I, you know, and I try to tell them, like, look, it's it's not about Eric. You know, it's about Pro Touring Texas. It's about the cars. You know, it's about the people that we're building the cars for. And what Pro Touring Texas does is provide for multiple people that work there and their families. You know, and that's what it's about. It's, you know, I don't need notoriety. I don't want to be famous. I don't, I don't need to be, you know, going to SEMA and a TV show and, and all that kind of stuff. You know, like, is it cool? Will it grow the business? Absolutely. But do I want that? No. I, I just want a place of business that provides for the people that work there, that provide a quality product for our clients, and that business provides for their families. And you couldn't ask for more than that. You're an entrepreneur. You've you made a plan. You saw that you didn't like where you were, and you you made a plan. You consulted with professionals, i.e., the Dave Ramsey, right? Like, I mean, you didn't necessarily consult with him, but I mean, you followed some suggestions that he had made um, to and implemented those ideas to help you get where you wanted to go. Uh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, I knew to get where I wanted to be, I didn't need, you know, debt holding me down. Right, and that, and that, I, would it be fair to say that that, um, that point was had a had a spotlight shown on it because of, you know, Dave Ramsey and his. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that's that's the how, right? Like we've covered the how, and I think the how is important. A lot of people are out there, um, I know, are out there, and they're just like, I don't know how. I don't even know how to get there. But what I think a lot of people don't know is the why. Why is it that you are building badass cars, in my words? Um, what, what is, what's, uh, what's your origin story? How did, how did we get here? Uh, I think it just, it just developed over time. I've always had like, um, a need to make cars better, cleaner, more efficient. And, uh, thankfully, like I did that trade deal with the motorcycle and got the Chevelle and that, that really solidified, uh, like the movement going into classic cars and doing a modern drivetrain and updated suspension and drivability. And I just went down that road thinking that this is this is it. This is the the American dream. You know, if we can make this into a business and and do 
just good cars with quality parts for great people and, you know, create family heirlooms like that. That was it for me. You know, that was a hundred percent it. And that, that's where I wanted to go. But like what drove me to just do it was just, you know, it, it was listening to Dave Ramsey and, and, and I kind of tie him in with my dad a little bit cause they, they have similar, uh, demeanors, you know, they're, they're direct. They're very, very honest. You know, they say things that are, might be some people consider off color, but they're straight in your face. You know, it's just pure honesty is all it is. And I just remember, you know, being a kid and like my dad wasn't around so much that I, I wondered what he was doing or, or that kind of jazz. And then as I get older, I understand it. Like he was working to provide. He made sure that me, my stepbrothers and sisters, and my sister, we all had cars. We all had the ability to get an education. Um, you know, he was working two jobs, three jobs, just killing himself to make sure that uh, we had everything we needed to have better than he had. You know, so <clears throat> my alarm goes off in the morning at five, and like the caption on it, which is is weird, you know, but to some, but it says money waits for no man. And for me, that takes me back to the memory of my dad started refereeing football as a side job, simply so that he could save that money and take all of the kids on one vacation at the end of the year. And that was it. <clears throat> so when, when it, I wake up and I read that and it says money waits for no man, that what that means to me is being able to provide, you know, and those are just the way I worded it on my alarm. It, some people may take that the wrong way, but um, that's just what it takes me to. And I just have a desire to put the money in the right places, you know, save, put on that foundation that takes you to the next level, that, that puts you in a place to have a comfortable life and be able to give back and do things for other people. You know, if you get into a position of success, you've got to bring people with you. And I feel that deeply. And I, I feel that about my team, you know, that helps me. Those people are coming with me. And we've done some things, you know, for some family members. And we've got nieces and nephews and um, they're all going into college. And, you know, we do things for them. But that's a thing that we try not to talk about. You know, because you're supposed to do things because you want to do them, not because, you know, people will pat you on the back for doing it. So it, it just it just gives me that drive to do more every day. And I would say that, you know, if you're if you're successful, you, not only do you bring people with you, but it takes people to make you successful. It does. You can't do it alone. No, you cannot. A hundred percent. I mean, that's for me, that's. That that is the core. That is the core tenant of this podcast. It's the core tenant of my friendship with you, and Jordan, and Joey, and a couple other guys. That we're you know there's a, a proverb that I've been focused on lately, um, and it says, "As iron sharpens iron, one man sharpens another," and. I like spending my time and talking with, conversing with, sharing ideas and whatnot 
with people who I know are going to be honest with me, that are going to shoot me straight, that if I'm really not sure what to do about something or if I, if I have like, you know, like an idea for something for art and I'm like, yeah, is this cool? I don't know. I'm not real sure about it. You know, you guys will, you know, shoot me straight. And I wouldn't, I don't, I have zero expectation that I would be successful without having you guys as my team, which is part of why I wanted to share my team with the whole world with this podcast, because I don't think that it's fair, not fair. I care if you give a shit about fair, but I don't, I think it, it's, it's kind of like you said about lifting people up. If you have the ability, I have the ability to share my voice and share my friends voices with the whole world if they'll take the time to listen. And how cool is that? Because I know that the stuff that you and I discuss and that I'm discussing with these other guys and that you're discussing with those other guys and all these conversations that we have, it just builds on each other. We, if it's like adding a layer and then you just add another layer and we're, it's like we're each adding a rung to a ladder and then we're all going up. It's, it's, we're all on our own ladders. Uh Uh-huh. But we're all helping each other Absolutely. build ladders together. And I, I'm beyond thankful. And that's, for me, your story, everybody's story. Like, all you guys. You guys have remarkable stories. You know, it's like we talked about before we had the podcast. This all may seem like furniture to you. You know, it's like wallpaper. It's just there. You know, you have a shop. You have employees. Shit, man, you have customers. You have a waiting list. Man, I, I honestly never, never expected to be doing what I'm doing. Right. Like, I, I'm so thankful to be where I am, you know, and I try to find grace in every situation, you know, uh, whether it be good or bad. And, man, I'll, I'll share a story with you real quick. So one of the gentlemen I have working with me now is a good friend from my childhood. And many, many years ago um, – well, not many, but we were getting older and that kind of thing. He was in a tough spot and, you know, he was having another kid and, and these types of things. And I had, um, I had a truck, I had a, a great running truck and he was in a tight spot and he was like, man, I'm looking for a car. I need to need transportation. And I traded him a ZQ8 Sonoma, the, and it was bagged in the front and I traded him that for a, a dirt bike just straight up, you know, no questions asked, just trying to help a friend and do the deal. And he took that and it it worked for him and provided for his family and stuff. And years and years later, now he, he works with me at my shop and he's building hot rods and he's taking care of his family and all that good stuff. And like that relationship having started when we were kids and just even then, like, when I did the trade deal with him, I sat down with Cynthia and I told her what I was going to do. <clears throat> and at first she thought it was crazy. And then I told her why that I just wanted to do it. Cause it was the right thing to do, help a guy out. And she was all about it. And I think that that kind of thing has just gone through our relationship together over the years. You know, you just do it cause it's the right thing to do. Yeah. 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 Sometimes, um, you know, depending on how spiritual are you, spiritual you are, um, you know, I've run into situations where I moved to do something and I don't really know where it's coming from, but 
but it almost like the way I describe describe it is it feels like gravity, except it's going sideways. It's like pushing you to do something. It's like mm-hmm. this is going to happen, mm-hmm. um, and and you know this is. I mean, we're talking like in the last week, I've had this kind of thing happen, and it's like very specific. And I'm like going along. I mean, you know, I'm very new to. <laughs> all that you know woo woo stuff but uh it's uh it's remarkable and i just kind of say okay you know and, yeah. and and i say okay because the things that i'm moved to do because of something that whether it's within me or if it's coming from within me or if it's coming from outside of me and i don't care I, I, to me i think it's all the same you know you you know, your frame of reference is just different than mine if you're not a spiritual person, but still there's things that move you and you know what the right thing to do and the wrong thing to do is. I think the majority of the population is like that. Sure, they're psychopaths. We're going to leave them out. Um, but that stuff's there, and it's really awesome. Um, and, you know, you just got to listen to it. And I think that listening to it recently has helped me have a lot more grace around this situation with, you know, my, you know, I, I have a great day job. So does, you know, Joey and I had this conversation we both have great day jobs. We, we really like our day jobs. They're great. Um, we both would like at some point in time to be full-time artists, but I'm not, I'm not rushing it. And, and now that I'm starting to have these sort of, uh, you know, woo woo moments or whatever you want to call it, I'm not definitely not discounting it, but um, just sort of things that are, difficult to describe or explain it gives me a lot more grace around the fact that i'm where i need to be and i'm doing what i need to be doing and and things will come with time and they're not going to come without effort it's not like i'm just going to sit back and wait for good things to happen to me i have to work to make good things happen um but um yeah yeah that was sort of a ramble but uh you know what i really enjoy hmm. i really enjoy the fact that uh just kind of recently on your Instagram in the last month, two, three, uh, that you've really to kind of put your persona out there, just your personal self, whether it's, you know, one of those live videos or a post or something, you know, you're, you're a little bit of a quirky guy, you know, I think you're hilarious in most situations and I appreciate you developing your personal bond with, uh, your clients because it shows that, uh, you know, you're, you're just a guy. You know, you're, you're creating things with your hands and you're showing your personality and people understand your personality then, and that feeds into your art that just grows your brand as one piece. So I think once people know, you know, Ram studio, Texas, and they know Robin Moody, they understand your art in a different way. Mm. Well, and you know, I mean, I'm sure you know this, but uh, it's worth mentioning that, you know, it's the feedback that you've given me and, and those other guys have given me that mainly came from you, though, was to, you know, I mean, I think I think your words were you got to put your face out there, put your face on your art, you know, so to speak. And yeah. I, I mean, I knew exactly what you meant. I mean, there was no <laughs> I didn't sit there and go, uh, what? I mean, I knew what you meant. I think for me, there was a uh, there was definitely a level of arrogance where I believed I wanted. No, it wasn't. I didn't believe I wanted my art to sell itself. I wanted the art to be good enough to create and compel people to want to buy it. 
and I didn't because I sell things for a living. I felt like it was almost like cheating. <laughs> yeah, it's, it was like cheating to. I mean, like like not that I'm some sort of trickster or anything, but I mean, I I just wanted I wanted the art to do it by itself. Um, but then at the same time, you know, I'm sure you and everybody else is tired of hearing me complain about, you know, I'm not getting a lot of traction or, you know, people aren't really engaging with my posts on Instagram or Facebook or whatever social media in general. And, you know, it really took having somebody that has context on my life because, you know, just, you know, for anybody out there that's listening, you have no context on your life. Nobody does. Mm-hmm. Therapists have therapists because they don't have context in their life either. So, you know, because you had context on my life where I didn't necessarily, you were just like, well, put your face out there. And I'm all like, oh, okay. Like, it was just, it was that simple. Like, once I heard it from somebody who I trusted and who I knew had my best interest in mind. Um, and I think that that's one thing that I want to share with in this podcast. And I mean, I, I'm going to spell this out very plainly. For those of you that, you know, that are jotting down notes, heaven forbid, um, surround yourself with people who are invested in your success, who are committed and, and they want you to succeed as much, if not more than they want to succeed. Um, I have those people. These are the, when I tell you guys, I have the coolest friends in the world. I do. And they're all they're all desperately dedicated to me winning because they like what I'm doing and I'm the same level of committed to their winning. And so whenever we're talking, it's just like this. I mean, you know, it's, it's probably a little off color, but it's just like this, like the most, the most, um, what's the word? Uh, it's like a big circle jerk. You know, but, but it's like, but, but it's, it's to success. Like we're all, we're all pushing each other. Like if you had like three guys or four Mm -hmm. guys and they're Mm -hmm. all pushing their, they've all got their hand on the other guy's back going, you can do it. And, or we're, or the other guys, you know, we're all, or all three of us are pushing one Mm -hmm. together. Yeah. It's when you have an honest conversation about ideas and thoughts and, um, like where you think you want to go and you get uh, honest feedback on like, hell yeah, or are you sure, or yeah. you know, is that crazy? And you can literally give your ideas to another person, and it, it doesn't get shot down. It gets built up, and that's such such a good thing. And, man, with social media and stuff, like one of the most gratifying things for me and what led me to give you that advice to just put yourself out there was – when I started the social media for Protein Texas, I was very much kind of a front man, if you will. I was in it. I was making videos. I was discussing what we were doing personally with our vehicles just as much as what the business was. And when you meet people um, that are following what you're doing and, you know, they, they tell you that, that man, you just – you just seem like a, a real guy, you know, someone you can talk to and that kind of thing. Like, that's so gratifying that that, that came through. And that's really what I wanted to do was was put ProTank Texas in a place where, you know, customers and just everyone in the world feels comfortable, you know, either speaking to or being a client of, you know, ProTank Texas and being part of that family. Because, you know, for us, it's it's all about hot rods, right? 
trucks, cars, whatever, hot rods, generalization, um, to just be part of that hot rod family. And when I gave you that advice to, to engage and put yourself in your art, like I feel like, I feel like that just gets those people comfortable with you and Ram Studio Texas and Robin Moody. It, it makes it one piece instead of it being a piece of art and then a guy that made it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, if people don't know how quirky I am, they're going to find out when I finish the circle game piece. You know, I, I think you should just give them the full moody, you know? I, I think that's how it goes. I, I think everybody... Oh, that, no, I'm, I'm going to continue to do that, but I think that the circle game piece, that's... I think that is like... That that defines my sense of humor. <laughs> like, it's a little bit on the edge of I not think okay. it's fantastic. Yeah, I think it's going to be great. I'm excited about it. I got to make a... I got to make a bender for the round bar that I bought to, to build it. But other than that, yeah. Um, what about fleet? We didn't cover fleet. Like what's, what else is in your stable? Oh boy. Ugh. So I have a, my daily driver is a 2007 Toyota 4Runner SR5 four wheel drive V8. Um, just turned 190,000 miles. I've owned that truck longer than anything else I think I've ever owned. The second, I, I typically turned over cars about every two years. I've only bought one car that was new, and that was a Scion XB. Um, and I think I, I literally sold it the day I paid it off. <laughs> All right, tr- excuse me, I bought a new car. I, I got rid of it. Yeah, I, I sold it the day it was paid off. Um, this forerunner I've just had, and I just, it checks a lot of boxes for me. Um, it's, you know, I mean, the only thing that it doesn't do well is past gas stations, but you know, everything has to suck at something. And that, that truck just doesn't pass gas stations and that's okay. Um, I beat the snot out of it. I've gone off-roading. I've taken you off-roading in it. Um, tried to kill us is more the way to word that. I'm sorry. Are you, is this my wife talking right now or is this Eric? I'm pretty sure the truck tried to flip over. Oh, I don't know that's true. Like, I'm pretty sure you had to tell your kids to put your feet on the seats. Mm. Well, you know, cause they could stand up. Gravity's a bitch. <laughs> it's always there. <laughs> yeah. It's reliable. <laughs> Gravity and taxes. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, so I, I have like a running thing where every year I'll do like a major upgrade to it just to keep interest in it. Um, and this last upgrade was gears, uh, but I've put sliders on it, skid plates, bumpers, winch, the, the spare tire carrier on the back, all kinds of stuff. I want to give it to my son. Like, I think that would be cool to give it to my son because it's, it's fairly indestructible. Um, they run forever. They hold their value. Like if I wanted to go trade it in right now, it's still worth like eight or nine grand with 200,000 miles on it, especially with all the stuff I have. Well, if anybody will kill it, it'll be a 16 year old. Oh, sure. Absolutely. Um, I mean, the thing is like whatever he hits, it's not going to go well for whatever that is. (laughs) But if somebody hits him, it's not going to do much. Yeah. It's just armored up. Yeah. Um, the wife Let's see how long ago is that? Three or four years ago, um, after we got rid of a forerunner. Who do we sell that to? A forerunner. <laughs> you sold me a forerunner. 
was a V6 forerunner. And, um, yeah, yeah. You're the only person I've ever known that's had bad luck with a forerunner. Just go figure it's the one that we own. Uh, <laughs> it would do like weird electrical stuff with the trash control system and it overheated all the time. And I don't know. That's so crazy. Um, I'm serious. But like, what was interesting, like when we got it, like, um, like your average MPG was like nine on it when we got it and then when we started driving it and reset it it stayed at like 18 and i was like okay so this says a lot wendy and robin are the most hot rod people ever and they're driving forerunners right well the forerunners were a means to an end actually i mean it was sort of a it was definitely a means to an end i just happened happenstance that i ended up falling in love with mine it was a great vehicle I, i can't lie i mean yeah it had its its issues but it's comfortable. It does the things, and like it's it's one of those vehicles that you can jump in, and you know if you there's traffic, sweet, mow a fence down and make your own road, and we're gonna get there. Right. It's I, just it's, one of those cars. It's it's like your refrigerator. Yeah. It just it's works. an appliance. It sits it there works. and it keeps your food cold for years. Yeah. No one thinks about that. It's not my flavor. Had to get rid of it. Well, I understand. <laughs> but nobody thinks about that. Yeah. yeah. So. Anyway, we got those because we had two kids in daycare. I don't want to talk about how much that cost, but it was we, it was a very nice daycare. So after so after the forerunner, we she agreed that she wanted something nice, and she says, "I want a lifted truck." Okay, so we go through and look at all the models that are out there, and we kind of land on GMC. We like the styling of the. This was. 2018, but I don't buy any new cars anymore. So I think we ended up getting a 2000. We we got a 2016 GMC Sierra SLT. I think it's like the trick. It's like every just the mm-hmm. one one notch below Denali. It says it's a Texas edition. There's sort of there's some argument about whether or not that's possible because apparently Texas edition was only on Chevrolets, but some people say no. I don't know. It's I got it out just of, a badge. I got it out of Houston, so I guarantee you there's a good chance that somebody stuck that thing uh, on there. Well, it could have been to Mexico and rebuilt and brought back. You never know. Yeah, twice. Well, oh. they, they didn't fix the ground. So um, bought that, put a lift kit on it, 8-inch uh, lift from B&C Off-Road uh, in Houston, put the big uh, steps on it, the electric steps with the 3-inch drop, uh, 35s on 18-inch method roosts, with the burnt bronze or whatever. That's also like an orangey color. It's not bronze. Um, the shout-out method, though, they make some really dope-looking wheels. Like, I'm not mad. It's just it's not gold or bronze to me. Um, she drove that for almost, like, right at a year, plus or minus a month. And she's like, she drives a company car that I had, which is a Chevy Malibu. And she's like, you know, I kind of like driving a sedan. And I'm like, what? Are you breaking up with your truck? Is that what you're telling me right now? Are you done with your lifted truck? And she's like, no, well, maybe. <laughs> so I'm like, well, what do you want? And she's like, oh, no, it's like having a sedan. It's just kind of handy. So we end up getting her a uh, 2016 Lexus GS350 F Sport. And man, am I, I ignorance is bliss. Because before I drove that thing, I was fat, dumb, and happy in my forerunner. I was happy. I was good. But every time I drive that car, I'm like trying to figure out how to steal it. It's not ridiculously fast. It's not ridiculously luxurious, but it's sporty. It's quick enough. 
the miles just it, – I think Jordan and I had a conversation about this the other day. Like when he drives his truck or mine, he's got an FJ Cruiser, um, you have to drive it. You're driving the car. Like there's effort. When you're driving this Lexus, it, you just kind of arrive. Like it's all of a sudden you're just there. It's minimal input. It's cushy. It's got good feedback. Like the steering and everything's got great feedback. I mean, it's not, I mean, hers is sporty and we lowered it. So like my truck, you're like tired after you've driven it for two hours. The, the, the GS man, it's like you end up in Houston and you're like, Oh, am I there already? It's like you feel refreshed. So yeah, I'm, I've got a, I've got a crush on the GS. I, my dream car right now for like a daily would be a GSF. It's so weird that like you you put so much um, value in feeling refreshed in the Lexus and like my outlook on life is if you don't get there and smell like exhaust and just just went for the most wild ride ever like I don't care like it's got to be more it's got to be rowdy and just in your face for me anyways you know I like I like having rowdy available I mean I think let's see here's what okay so fair enough. Dream car for me, GSF with cutouts. So you want loud and refined. I want loud on the button. Gotcha. Electric cutouts like the G8 had. So it could be mild-mannered, no big deal, just picking up the kids from school, going to the grocery store. But then if I wanted to be dumb, because the GSF is like a 415-horse V8. Like it's... No, it's legit. I'm not gonna lie. It's it's refined and fantastic. So and then um, the smelling smelling like a, yeah, I'm out. I, I'm not I, I'm not interested in having something that that I smell gross. Like I don't know. I still like that. I'm over it. I still like that immersive experience. You know, not in every car. You know, not you know all the cars with LSism that I have aren't aren't that way. And you know, so but I do like that experience. It's just just old and it's like driving it tractor if you will so the bubble top that i've got 327 four speed and it doesn't get out of its own damn way you know but you smell like gas and it drives like a tractor but man when you get out of that car there's no way you're not turning around to look at it just no way it's fantastic fair enough yeah no i get it i get it i mean and then that's what you do right so i mean it i mean who who else should have that outlook except you. That's true. That's true. I mean, that's, that's, and that's and I forget sometimes that like, this is, this is what I do on a daily basis, you know, and, and a lot of people say it's living the dream and uh, it becomes work like anything else. You know, you, you have to manage a, a lot of moving pieces uh, to keep that ball rolling. And, you know, I take pride in being able to do that. And I really enjoy it. And, uh, the fact that I get to do it is just amazing to me, you know, and a lot of gratitude for, for people that trust us to build their cars. And uh, we just want to take it to the next level and do good things. We want to create memories and uh, family heirlooms for a lot of people. It seems like the the few that we have right now are going to be just passed down in generations. And, you know, the clients that we're talking to, they plan to keep them and give them to their kids and just keep it rolling down the hill. So it's super cool. I know those feels. So the last thing that we own, that's the one thing that I do that I think is different than most people is I buy cars to keep them. 
don't really cycle through that much. The older I get, the less I do that. Um, so my wife has, so basically I've got the forerunner for a daily and she has the GS as a daily. I have my Hilux as my little play classic car. Doesn't get driven much or enough. And then she has a 68 Beetle with the 64 front end conversion. Uh, was painted by our buddy Jason Lorales over, uh, let's see, uh, Laurel Leatherworks. It'd be Or 64 Ford Long Sled. There's two places you can keep up with him. Um, he did a great job painting it. Um, it's a uh, beige with a pearl white. It's kind of got like a metallic. It's metallic beige with gold pearl, and then there's a pearl white panel between the fender wells. It's got. It's on air. Um, that's another one that's just. I think if it was more reliable, it would get driven more, but it sits, and when it sits, it's not happy. Is it not reliable? <clears throat> I thought those old Volkswagens were just they can turnkey. They can be. I think it's like anything else. You no, know, you let gas sit in it. You know, I mean, it's another vehicle that doesn't have AC. And we're getting to the age where we're not interested in. in well, we live in Texas. Yeah, yeah. So uh, the want is there to drive it more. It's just, I mean, managing kids, managing hobbies, trying to stay healthy, uh, you know, having a podcast, building art. It's just trying to fit in. I think for us, I don't know if this is a good thing or a bad thing, but for us, it's comforting just to own them. Yeah, I agree. We have them. Whenever we can make the time, we're going to enjoy them. But at least they're here. Um, I, you know, there's some people know that I had the Hilux, I sold it, and I bought it back. I'm not getting rid of that truck. I mean, it's not worth enough money at the moment for me to to make it worth my while to get rid of it in order to own something else. I'd rather just save my money and buy something else. I'd rather kick out a whole bunch of art, you know, uh-huh. and, and, and sell art to make the money to buy another toy car and just have another toy car, like something fun to drive. Um, that's the same way the bug is. We had the bug. We sold it. We got it back. You know, what's that old saying? Uh, if you love someone, you should let them go. If they come back, they're yours forever. Yeah. I hope I get sorority girl back. Nobody knows I sold that, but there it is. It is in Atlanta. I sold it. We built it as a marketing piece for 2020. And as everyone knows, 2020 didn't happen. So we sent it down the road and going to do another one. Hopefully we'll get that back one day. It was a good piece. Yeah. I already missed that 10 speed. I'm not going to lie. Well, if the drivetrain is what is the magic, it's just drivetrain. Well, the truck is the magic, but I mean, the fact that the LT10 speed is in that truck is the magic. Plus, I mean, it, you know, it's the sorority girl. I mean, it, it has a persona of its own. Well, it's out there now. Yeah. Everybody knows. Yeah. Everybody knows. So if you, uh, if you own sorority girl and you're, uh, you're getting a little tired of it, Eric at ProTrainTexas.com. What else, sir? Um, uh, as far as fleet, so I sold Sorority Girl, the yes. 77C10. I just, uh, 
I flew out to Nashville and I met uh, Matt and Claire uh, with uh, Down South Industries. Super, super cool people. And they're in the market of buying and selling, you know, classic cars. It's kind of what they do. Um, spent the afternoon with them, you know, couldn't, couldn't say nicer things about uh, a couple. And jumped in a truck, drove it all the way from Nashville back to Fort Worth. Didn't miss a beat. Super cool. And it's it's an original 454 um, 76 C10, and it's the blue-on-blue combo with trim, you know, factory AC, factory tack, all that stuff, short bed truck. So we're going to probably probably make that like the next sorority girl, you know, so we'll have to come up with a name and um, build that as a truck. But I figure some purists are going to be mad when we, when we got a factory big block truck. And put it onto something else, but uh, Cynthia still has her '78 Jimmy. That's the blue white blue combo. That's badass. She's got uh, the '68 Cadillac DeVille, Lucille. That was uh, kind of a barn find out of Florida. One owner, eleven thousand miles. When we got it, all we did was suspension and wheels and polish the paint, and it's grandma fresh. It's so good. Yeah, yeah. So I good. think that's. You know, that's one of, it's definitely one of my favorites. I'm still, I'm still secretly waiting for something bad to happen to the engine because it'll motivate you to do something dumb, but I don't, I don't, I don't want anything bad to happen for the sake of bad happening. It's because I'm, I'm just excited about the next chapter. Oh, Cynthia pushes so hard for us to, to go all in on that car and build it. Cause she, she wants to do it, but I struggle with the fact that it's it's such a low mile car and so good the way it is. Um, it's just so fresh and, and original that I don't want to tear into it unless something catastrophic happens. You know, it's got the automatic AC just like a, a modern car where you just set the temperature and let it do its thing. It's got the 472 big block in it and Cadillac and it's, it's gobs of torque. It just goes forever. It's terrible mileage, but it runs so good. Right. Yeah. I still remember when I uh, when I mentioned that you and I had talked about turning it into a land speed car, and Cynthia was not aware that that conversation had transpired. Oh, I wasn't going to tell her. She's <laughs> trying to kill me in my sleep if we start cutting that car up. Uh, uh, speaking of cars that she's going to kill me over, um, nineteen seventy Chevelle. It's purple with a, a pretty rowdy little motor in it name evil annie that thing is has been on the block for what five years six years now how many um, how many of those years has it been running i don't know a month two <laughs> say two two and a half it's technically been running but not not shaken down not dialed in none of, none of that um it started as a turbo car and it still has the turbo mounts in it it currently has like a a CTSV motor with a, a blower and all that stuff. Of course, it's on freaking steroids. So it was 740 on pump gas and almost 900 on C16. Jesus. Yeah, it's a little too much race car, honestly. You try and find that happy medium, and I feel like we went a little too far with that one. Because mm. well, it's sometimes you have to go over the line to know where the line is. That's true. That's true. It has. It's got the line lock, so it'll do gnarly burnouts like Big Booty Judy. It's got uh, a trans brake. Uh, it's got a Jake's Performance 
480 in it, so it's got all the pieces to do rowdy, rowdy things, but still has AC, so. What did you build it for? Or what is, no, but, no, hold, pause that. What are you currently planning to do with it? Like, like what what is it going to be used to do? Like, like uh, I mean, when you build it, you're like, oh, this will be really good for this. I mean, when you say you got it a little bit too much race car. Well, it started as uh, a car to do drag week with, you know. Uh, there's some friends locally uh, that do drag week, and we want to kind of join in with them and, and do those things as well. Cynthia wants to drag race like her parents used to drag race, you know. <clears throat> so she wanted to do that, and the car is named Evil Annie. Uh, her mom's name was Anne, so it's kind of a tribute to her mother mm. doing the drag racing and those types of things. So I, I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah, so that's that's why it exists. That's why it is what it is. And, um, like, at this point right now, it's got American Racing headers on it. They're two-inch primaries, three-and-a-half-inch collectors, and it's three-and-a-half-inch oval exhaust all the way out the back, all out of stainless. And it's just, man, driving that thing for about 10, 15 minutes is about it because mm. it's just too loud. So I think, I think at this point we're going to – put a smaller exhaust on it, make it a little more comfortable to drive and let her put some miles on it. Let's, let's shake the car down. Finally. Uh, it's actually over at, at PG upholstery, getting a custom interior, put in it now. So we're going to finally finish it, put some miles on it. And if we decide to actually, uh, do drag week next year, if it happens, it didn't happen this year. Um, you know, the pieces are still in the car to make those things happen, you know? Uh, but at this point, just need to put her in the car, let her enjoy it, and you know, kind of build some memories of why it was built in the first place. Speaking of memories, what's your favorite memory in terms of Pro Touring Texas from the beginning to today? What's the thing that you're like? That was good. That was a that that day was. What do, what do they say? What does Mike uh, Finnegan say? Today's the best day at work ever. Best day at work ever. Like, what was the best day of work ever for you with the, I mean, if you had to pick one, I mean, you could pick a couple, but I mean, is there like a defining day when you're just like, <laughs> when you're, when like the sunbeams are coming out and you're, you just like got your hands in the air and you're like, glory, glory, man, there, there's two of them actually. And they're real similar. And they were days that we had at the shop where we either took the day off and did what I call team building and went somewhere and like raced go-karts or you know we had side-by-sides and stuff at the shop and we just like built a, a funky track we're right next to um, a steel yard where we're at and have land and property around us so we just built a track and like you know i'd put something together to where you know it's like a cash prize or a tv or you know um somebody gets to do like first burnout you know in a car or something like that that's cool um so there, we've done that twice with all the team members at the shop and uh, just being able to put those days together and see the team just have a bunch of fun and laugh and, you know, do something a little crazy that's normal, you know. And, you know, they did that stuff on, like, TV and Gas Monkey and stuff, but they did it all for show and that kind of shit. It's really cool to see uh, people enjoy that kind of stuff in real life, you know, and just having fun. Okay, so that's one. Yeah. I would say the other is, um, I don't know, 
I think one of my favorite days was taking Big Booty Judy. We went to, uh, it was one of the good guys last couple of years. Uh, they were trying to start up the burnout contest at Good Guys, and um, nobody really wanted to do it. They were calling people and calling people. So <clears throat> I get up there. I know what the car does, you know. That bad girl likes to smoke when you let her eat. So I get up there, um, Roadster Shop guys come up there they have their square body it's the the blue and white square body on the spec chassis Goolsby customs comes up with um a white camaro and then um sick chops had the the 66 blazer that was converted that had a don hardy motor in it and that was like the group of cars that did burnouts and i won first place you know and that was such a cool day you know to have that high level of cars and just all those guys that are in the industry doing, you know, just fun stuff with cars and we're all up there doing burnouts and big booty Judy takes first place. And that was, that was a really cool day. That was a cool day. Unfortunately, we don't have video, but I can see it on your face. That was a good day. Oh, it was a fantastic day. Actually, you can probably find it on the good guys website. Cool. All right. Anything else? I feel like we've, uh, We've, uh, for today, we've emptied the bottle. For the most part, yeah. Okay. Good deal. So tell everybody where they can find you. So you want to find me, um, easiest uh, is going to go to protouringtexas.com. That'll take you straight to the website. It's got email on there. It's got phone numbers. If you want to hit us up, you can go to Instagram, protouringtexas. You can go to Facebook, protouringtexas. Uh, you know. There's a Twitter and Tumblr and all that stuff too, but we don't ever go there. No. That's not what we use. Who uses that? Yeah. We got time for tweeting. All right. All right, guys. Well, I hope this was as valuable for y'all as it was for me. Um, and, you know, if you guys ever have any questions about, you know, uh, how to get going or how to, how to make your dreams come true as far as, you know, living the dream like Eric is pursuing your passion, you know, and, and you, maybe you've got some more detailed questions. I'm sure if you message him on Instagram, he's more than happy to help. Uh, one thing I'll tell you about Eric is he's extremely generous. He wants to give back. Um, he's not, he's not hoarding his cheese. <laughs> he's, he's, he wants to share because you know, there's, there's plenty of room in the pool. There's just plenty of room. Yeah. And absolutely no question is a stupid question. So just please, what I hear all the time is people that buy parts three and four times and they're incorrect because they're getting misinformation off the internet or from different friends or whoever. Talk to someone that's done this a hundred times, you know. You know, if you're going to do an LS swap or LT swap or whatever it is, you know, suspension, whatever, just, just get good advice from someone that actually does it, you know. That way you buy stuff one time and it's the right shit. There you go, guys. From the horse's mouth. All right, well, that's it. You guys take care. And this is the Artist and Not Team podcast. All right, guys, that's it. Episode two, Eric Pierce, Pro Touring Texas, done. What did we learn today? Delay gratification. Set a goal and chase it. Make sure you got the right friends around you. Listen, if your friends are holding you back and they're like, nah, man, you can't do that. Why are you trying to get all bougie on us? You need better friends. That's all. That's all I'm saying. 
Next episode, episode three, Joey DeLaRusso. We're going to talk about the struggle when you start your entrepreneurial goal, your endeavor. We're going to talk about why it, it's so hard to get to the place that you see that other guy who's got all a million followers. And why don't I got a million followers? Anyway, we'll get there. Please subscribe if you love today's podcast. There's going to be more. It's going to get great. I'm Robin, Artisan Octane Podcast. I'm out. Yeah.